I remember when we started, I said I was going to make it short. Some of you said, no, don't make it short. <laughs> and that was good. I listened to you. I stretched it out. Thank God for that. Well, you know, you, when you lead people, one of the things you learn is to li listen to those you are leading. Praise the Lord. And I said, Lord, how am I going to make it long? But he filled it up for me. Amen? Tonight, the message, the theme, series theme is, If You Believe, Volume 2. Please never forget this series. If you what? Believe. And what is it about? Understand, experience, receive, and experience the divine principle. That's, a, that's the part of God. That on God's part. The divine principle. And on our part, mindset and attitude for what? Miracles. This is message number eight in volume two. I wanted to make a new volume out of it. I said no. And I ran up today. And what I have given you so far is just a template. So with that, you can deal with any other situation. Uh, and, and so the message tonight is, if you believe you will have, if you believe you will what? Have. Message number eight. If you believe you will have part eight. And that's what the principle is. Amen? What's the principle for miracles? If you what? Believe you what? You will have. John puts it in a very exciting way. John says, he that believeth, hath. <laughs> That's the principle. If you get that principle, the devil cannot fool you anymore. Circumstances cannot intimidate you anymore. Problems, lack, insufficiency cannot overwhelm you anymore. Did you understand what I'm saying? I'm just, this is, I'm just saying it for now so that you put it under your belt. What's the principle? Can anybody repeat? If you what? Believe you what you will have. In John's words, he that what believeth, huh? Heart. You notice there are people Jesus met and other servants of God met on the way. It's like they met a difficult, they say, No, Jesus said, You can have it as you believe. Is that not correct? And that's what it is. No matter how big the problem is, but Jesus and his servant will say to you, Well, it may look in, impossible. But hello, if you believe, nothing shall be possible. If you believe, all things are possible to them that what believe. I don't know miraculous situations. They are. So the key, it doesn't matter. It's not about how high you are in the spirit. You, if you, you may have a religious title, a biblical title. You don't understand this principle. Nothing works. You don't have titles. Well, you understand it. You cruise on miraculous levels. That's how God operates. The Bible says God is no respecter of who? Persons. Who does he respect? Anyone that would dare. Dare to what? Use his faith to apprehend and use his belief to what? Appropriate. That's it. The Bible, we saw last week, he said that God uh, abounds in who? In what? Riches to who? To who? Anybody knows? Those who do what? Who call upon him. That's an exercise of belief. He said, he said, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. As long as you have the faith and translate it to belief to call on him. He said, he abounds to what? In what? Riches. To those people. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, and we use this principle 
to see how people received all kinds of purposes, plans, and provisions of God. We dealt with redemption. Is that correct? We went to salvation. We went to baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about healing. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about anything. Not one grace of God is received without this method. Are you all following? And now we said, okay, it's easy to, uh, you know, think of using this principle uh, on regular, you know, everyday problem or need. And we say, how about crisis situations? Can they work in crisis situations? Is that not true? And we saw they could work, they work even better in crisis situations. You know, and we saw that in every crisis situation, both God and the devil have an intent. There's an outcome they're expecting of you. You didn't get that. You say, Pastor, how could you say something like that? Let me tell you. In crisis situations, the devil's plan is to, you know, is to suddenly throw you off balance. That's what devil does in a crisis situation. To do what? Throw you where? Off balance. Where is he taking you out of balance? From your stand on the word by faith. You know, no matter how high you are in the spirit realm, you'll be tested in a crisis situation. And the test is about whether you're standing on the word by faith or not. Are you, I, I don't know if anybody's getting me. Are you following? And the devil's plans in crisis situation is to throw you where? What? Off balance. Where is your balance supposed to be? On the word. By what? Faith. And on that, from that point, you cannot exercise belief. The devil fears the believer's belief and believing. You don't understand that. Because here's what the believer's belief and believing does. It unleashes the Holy Spirit against the devil. Uh-huh. I, I don't think you got it. I say to you, the devil fears your what? Belief and believing. That means your faith also, right? Why does he fear it? Because, you know, it's like you. I don't know how many of you grew up where places where they have beehives. If you're not ready to deal with the bee, don't shake that hive. Otherwise, you may be, you may end up in the ER. They're looking for what's that medication they use for allergy? EpiPen. If you don't have EpiPen, don't try it. Are you following? So, if you go to a zoo and you know there's a lion there, you stay afar. Is that not true? That's the devil's attitude towards your belief and believing. He doesn't want to start trouble there. Because your belief and believing will release the Holy Spirit against the devil. And the devil fears the Holy Spirit like anything else. And what does God expect of you? So the devil wants you to be thrown off balance in crisis situation. And when you're thrown off balance, then he can finish you. But God wants you at that time to stand what? Upon the word. With what? Faith. And upon that, with faith, you get into belief mode. 
And when you do that, you've given him the opportunity to smite the devil down. So the whole point about crisis situation in the devil's scheme or plan of things is to throw you off of balance. And you know what? You have, I want to tell you, for each of us, we have enough resources to deal with any crisis that comes our way. Faith, exercise through belief is the most important, but there are other resources. For instance, good fellowship is good at that time. You didn't hear me. That's when you need good fellowship and relationships. Because you know why? There are times your faith, you will feel in your faith, you feel like a flat tire. Another brother or sister can quicken you. Did anybody hear me? If you have godly people around you, keep them. Because the Bible says, iron does what? Sharpens iron. And, and, and that's why the writer of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling together of brethren because there's protection there. Have you noticed that in the Bible, I say to people, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were given to the church for one purpose, so that the people in church are equipped with the gifts of the Holy Spirit for what purpose? If you look at the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's no problem that can arise in anybody's life that cannot be dealt with them. And where does God want it to operate? In the fellowship of his people. Meaning, if you have a local congregation that know what they are talking about, hang on to it. Let me tell you one of the things the devil does. He likes to alienate you from godly fellowship. And if you fall into that, he will take you to the border between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of hell and destroy you there. I've given you stories about this before. I've given you testimonies. I've given you examples. But tonight, so we've dealt with some crisis situation. And we find out that as long as we live on earth, there are bound to be crises. Don't go praying for them. God, why haven't I been having some crisis? I need some. It's not even venture. Number one, it's not biblical. Number two, if God didn't allow them and you ask for them, you'll be in trouble. Are you all hearing me? But if they come, Jesus said, temptations must come. If they come, this is the word you need. We dealt with, and I mean, it doesn't only come from believers, it can come for God's people. In fact, it's a real crisis when it comes for God's people. <laughs> are, are, you, are you following? Amen. Uh, so, we dealt with some kinds of crisis, and I've defined crisis. I don't think I need to define it again. What are the examples we've dealt with so far? And each of them has an aspect that you may have experienced in the past or experiencing now or may experience in the future. Each of them. Well, what was the first one? The crossing of the Red Sea. When you're about to move, you may run into a crisis situation. When you want to move further in life or higher in life or out of your place of constraint and distress. Number two, the missing axe head, something so important that may not even belong to you. You may have borrowed it. Something so precious that you have to account for gets missing all like that suddenly. Number three, evil coalition against who? Judah. No, no, the Elijah. The, the Elijah one is the next. Huh? The siege. 
upon Elijah. There are times that the enemy, both spirit and human, can ambush you, surround you. Enemies, and sometimes people whom you thought were friends. Are you all following? They ambush you. That's a crisis situation. I want you to notice in each and every one of these, the way out was the exercise of what? Faith, true belief. And each of them ended in the form of what? Miracles. Is that true? Why? Because of the principle. He that what? Believeth does what? Hath. It doesn't matter the seriousness of the problem. It doesn't matter the magnitude of the problem. Number four, the evil coalition against Judah. We saw that last week. We spent good time on that. Is that not true? Hallelujah. Praise God. Tonight we'll deal with two. We'll try and do two. And we're out of here. Praise God. Tonight, I want us to look at two New Testament cases. Amen. The first one, which is number five overall, is the stealing of the storm. The stealing or the calming or the quenching of the storm. Storm. Did you hear me? Is, is anybody aware? Has anybody ever experienced a kind of a storm? Amen. Huh? Especially up there in the air or at sea. But you say, oh, thank God I'm not a traveler. I don't travel. I only use the subway. You don't have to travel. We are talking about the storms of life. But we are going to look, use the storm of uh, the sea, or the sea, or at the sea, as an example. Storms come. And many times, this, as they say in secular idiom, when it rains, it pours. That's a storm. I say, when it, well, it rains, what happens? It pours. Oh, dear Lord, I was driving from here to Rockland last night. I was 15 minutes away from the bridge. My wife called me and said, where are you? I said, Ma, I'm about to enter the bridge. They said, they're talking about thunderstorms. Thunder what? Storms. <laughs> I said, yeah, I can see. I didn't hear, I hear it. I said, I can see. It's getting a little cloudy here. <laughs> In 10 minutes, I was on that bridge. That bridge is three miles. Listen, I saw the storm. You couldn't see the car in front of you. And you know what? You know all you saw? Columns of wind. I mean, when you see the wind with your eyes. Walking on the bridge. <laughs> Slow walk. You couldn't see the car in front of you. Every car was on a blinker. And now, you know these cars, they are highly computerized. My car was giving beeps like crazy. Because there are beeps issue give you when you're close to another car or you're close to a human being. But I was far from everybody. Guess what? Where is it beeping? The storm came close. It was the storm it was feeling. When you can feel the storm. <laughs> so, you know what I thought? And let me confess what I thought. <laughs> I said, dear Lord, I have children who are not too experienced in driving. Suppose they were on this bridge at this time. I, can't, I, I wouldn't lie to you. 
For instance, Cheka is still new driving. And God is helping her where she is. She's driving now. I said, dear Lord, I better teach my children about how to navigate this type of situation. I'm telling you the truth. I've driven for years. And yet, and I believe other drivers had experiences in order to see how we were all well behaved. It was a nightmare on top of the Hudson River. And when I came down, there was no storm. I said to my wife, I said, there are things in the river. Don't tell me anything contrary. Immediately, we came at the end of the bridge. Everything was calm. Before I got there, everything was calm. You know, if they say it's windy, the wrong place to be is on the bridge. Years ago, I was coming from Maine. And dear Lord, the first time I realized what they're saying is true. It was windy, and on the bridge, you better slow down. Because there's more wind on the bridge than elsewhere. So, and I had an experience, an idea of what the disciples of Jesus had. So, these storms may be financial. Huh? It may be in terms of relationships. It may be in material thing, about material things. It may be about your career. It may be about your marriage. It may be about anything in your life. Whatever they are, the good news is that there is one way of dealing with it. You don't need any specialist experience on dealing with it. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Let's look at a uh, uh, situation in Matthew, the 8th chapter. Matthew 8 from verse 23, quickly. Let's go. Matthew 23, Matthew 8, verse 23 to 27. Hallelujah. It's a story you're familiar with, and it's recorded in three passages in the Gospels. When he got into the boat, now they were, and I want you to also see that this crisis situation, the devil has a purpose, has a goal. Amen? I will tell you why the crisis came. And when the crisis comes, as long as you are not the one that started the crisis, it means that you were going somewhere. You didn't get me. Huh? If you are not the one that unnecessarily started the crisis, and you are doing what you are doing, serving God, working with God, and the crisis comes, you know why he came? Because you are heading in some important direction. Amen? When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose, what? A great storm where? On the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. Did you notice that? Is that enough to stir up a crisis situation? Huh? The boat was covered with what? Waves. Amen. But Jesus himself was what? Asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us! We are perishing. Is that a crisis situation? <laughs> if you hear their prayer, if you didn't know what was going on, and you hear their prayer, you know that somebody needs, you need to call 911 for someone. Amen? He said to them, in other words, he woke up. He said to them, why are you afraid? That sounds insensitive, right? I'll tell you why. For him, it's not insensitive. That sounds insensitive. Are you not supposed to be afraid there? Yeah, we are. That's the natural thing to be. 
But you know when that natural thing came up? At the fall. Then our natural used to be faith and belief. <laughs> Before the fall. But now, he said to them, why are you afraid? You men of what? Little faith. Faith, I want to let you know. Little faith, my understanding of little faith doesn't mean the person doesn't have faith. It's actually the person has faith. Like I said to you, everybody has faith. The problem is that the person entertained doubt into his faith. Anywhere you see little faith, especially in the Gospels. I did the study and the search, and that's what I saw. Why are you afraid? You men of what? Little faith. Then he got up and did what? Listen to that. He got up and did what? Rebuked the wind and the sea, and he became what? Perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this? Ah, uh, does that ring a bell? Or what bell does that ring? Come on, somebody. A crisis situation, yes. But that statement, what kind of man, of men, what kind, they said, what kind of a man is this? Does that ring a bell elsewhere in the Bible? In the New Testament, you ought to know. Elijah was a man like you. <laughs> Do you see a similarity? Huh? Elijah did great things. To the extent that it's possible, the tendency is to look at Elijah and say, he's an extraordinary man. He's not, an, he's not like us. He's cut out from a different age. But James said, no, it's not so. He's a man like you and me. Are you following? What's the difference? Faith exercised through belief. Here, they're saying the same to Jesus. By the way, the guy was sleeping, which is what they themselves do. Jesus didn't walk about telling people that he's greater than them. He made them understand that they are the same with him. That's why he took flesh and came. Do you, does anybody understand? So they were saying to him, what kind of a man is this? That even the winds and the sea do what? Obey him. Next. Okay, before we, 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 we look at that. But here's the situation. Was that a crisis situation? Was it dealt with? How was it dealt with? By faith. Exercise through what? Belief. You say, Pastor, where's the faith there? Let me show you the faith. It was Jesus who stirred up that journey. Who told them we need to go to the other side? Was it Jesus? When Jesus was saying it, by his faith, he saw himself arriving at the other side. That was his faith. Before that time, Jesus, by faith, already knew he was not going to die in the middle of any sea. That he was going to die on the cross. That was his faith. I know the plans I have for you. Praise God. Plans of good, not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. We need to, by faith, know. For instance, we need to organize ourselves and by our faith know that so and so are not going to happen to us. Are you all following? We may come close, but even with it comes, don't throw your hands in the air and start. We have to, by faith, know that God is with us wherever we are. Are you all following? And Jesus knew he wasn't alone. He knew the Holy Spirit was always with him. Does anybody follow? So that was his faith. 
He knew he was going to the what? Other side. That was what he said before then back. And when you're traveling, when you're making any journey, don't entertain Satan's speculation whether you will arrive or not arrive. Oh, you didn't hear me. Sometimes the devil say, are you sure this journey may not be your last? Say, God forbid. It, it, it is your last, not mine. Are you all following? Because some people are afraid of flying, afraid of anything, afraid of everything. Elevator, afraid of elevator. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you all hearing me? That was his faith. So when he was sleeping, they woke him up in the middle of the crisis. Right? What did he do? He used that faith. Exercised it into what? Belief. The storm. Calm down. What was his belief? Anybody knows? Huh? How did he exercise the faith into belief? Tell me. Anybody knows from there? From the passage. I've, I've shown you his faith. Did I show you his faith? What was his belief? He did what? Wow. Tell me exactly how, in practical way, he did it. Had come in the storm, yeah, was the outcome. He rebuked. He rebuked. Listen to me. You have to understand what are the things that constitute believing. Anybody knows? Persuasion. When they woke him up, he didn't have to wait to wash his face. He was already persuaded by the faith he had lost all this time. Persuasion. Amen? Okay. Faith showed him and he was convinced that he was not dying on any sea. And that he was going to get to his destination. That's what his faith showed him. And was he convinced of it? Yes. So that was faith. That was the end of it. He reckoned with it. He substantiated it. Are you all listening to me? You must get this teaching about faith by now. So, by in a moment's notice, he woke up from sleep and exercised belief. What are the things that make up belief? Come and give it to me now. Persuasion, confession, and action. What is another word for confession? Speech or utterance. Simple. Like if you talk confession now, people begin to think of other things, but the same word. So, when he woke up, he spoke. I have, you know what David said, and Paul repeated, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. Only you have to speak to the forces behind the crisis. The wind and the sea were the outward agents. There was a demonic presence behind the storm. And they heard the voice of Jesus. Years ago, I was reading that passage. And the Holy Spirit gave me a mental picture. And when Jesus rebuked the wind, in Greek, he said, said to the wind, be muzzled. You know what the picture the Holy Spirit showed me? The Holy Spirit showed me a violent man who was raging and raving. And then a law enforcement agent sprayed the tear gas on him. He collapsed. That was the picture the Holy Spirit said to me. When you rebuke a thing, if you do it by faith, that thing will collapse. If that you do it as a demonstration of your belief, that thing will. Why do you think we command demons to leave? 
exactly the same thing. You notice what the disciples say, what kind of man is this? He speaks even to the winds and the sea, and they obey him. You know the first time they said that, before this time? Does that ring a bell? Bible students. In the synagogue in Capernaum, when he cast out a demon, they say, what manner of a man is this? With authority, he cast out demons, and they obey him. You know, I, I, I told people the other day, I told someone, I said, listen, if people continue the way they are doing, I start dealing with them the way I deal with demons. Because it will work. But for now, I'm using it against demons and against circumstances. But the time is coming when you have to unleash it on human beings because they will not listen. Are you listening? I know it works. And I know how to use it. But you have to apply divine breaks. You have to. Praise God. Did you see the exercise of belief? Huh? And then, the crisis came down. Sometimes it will not come suddenly down. Amen? But you stand your ground. The believers in the book of Revelation, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and with the word of their testimony. And they did not fear their life unto the death. The picture I had is that as they were rebuking the enemy, the enemy kept coming and they kept backing up. But they were rebuking. When their back was against the wall, they say, If we die, we die. We are not yielding to you. You must yield to us. Crisis situations. You understand that the devil will want to paralyze you at that time. See, I talked to you about good fellowship. If those people didn't have Jesus in that boat, they would have been meat for the devil's dinner. You better have the right fellowship. Because when you cannot handle it, the right fellowship will help you. Every one of us, preacher, pastor, apostle, apostle and pastored, we all need the right fellowship relationship. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? And don't take your godly relationships for granted. You know, there were times they had to travel alone. But not that particular day. They would have been drowned. Because that's what the devil was interested. He asked them, look at what he asked them. They see him as some special man. But he didn't see himself as that. He expected them to be the ones who have done that and allow him to cast some more sleep. You, di you didn't believe that? Oh, exactly. Look at what he asked them. He said, why are you afraid? You men of what? Little faith. You have faith. But because you didn't exercise it, it becomes little. You belittled your faith. Let me say it again. You may be shocked at that. Every man, you don't even have to be a Christian to have. Every man, God has put faith in the heart of every man. If it were not so, an unbeliever could not have believed to become a Christian. Are you following? I, you remember my parable of the muscle? Huh? The man with a muscle and the one who, quote, doesn't have a muscle, right? It's by exercise. So in Matthew, he asks them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Is that correct? In other words, you shouldn't have been frightened by this crisis because you have faith. But what happened is that you didn't excise it. And why is it that they didn't excise it? 
they allowed doubt into that faith. Let, let's see it better in Mark. Go with me to Mark. Mark brings that forth a little more. Go to verse 41. Mark, Mark uh, 5 or Mark 4, 41. Quickly. Mark chapter 4, verse 41. Let's go quickly. Amen. They became very much afraid and said to one another, Okay, you, you go to 40. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? That's how Mark put it. But here's what happened. They have faith. But they refuse to what? Exercise it. Why? Because they entertain fear. Let me say this to you. You have faith. But the moment you start entertaining fear, fear's activity is like putting a needle to a balloon. That's what fear does to your faith. Have you tried to put a needle to a balloon? An inflated balloon? You know what will happen. Or my younger ones here will tell you better because you've forgotten. <laughs> Are you all following what I'm saying? Now, Jesus said somewhere, if you believe and do not what? Doubt. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will what? Move. Why? Because you believed without entertaining doubt. So you have to make conscious effort in times of crisis not to entertain doubt. Is it easy? No, it's difficult. But there is ways to do that. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Quickly, let's look at Luke chapter 8. Amen. Luke 8. Are you there? Verse 24. Verse 24. Luke 8, 24. Hmm? They come to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are what? Perishing. Did you see how they use their faith? They turned their faith over to doubt. Their Lord said, we are going to the other side. And in the middle of the river, they said, we are perishing. Whenever you start saying what the Lord has not said about you, you are sinking. Now, did you see that there? Huh? Okay. Anytime you open your heart to doubt and embrace words that the Lord has not said about you and by your situation, you have abandoned your faith, and at that time, you are entertaining doubt. Did you notice what they said there? And he got up and do what? Rebuked the wind and the surgeon waves. And they stopped. And they became calm. Next, quickly. He said to them, where is your faith? That's the most classic thing. You know what that question is, is uh, purporting? Do you know what that question is revealing? Do you know what Jesus was implying there? You have faith. Where is it? You didn't use it. Did you notice that? Instead of using their faith, they turned their, the same mouth they were supposed to speak, believe. They turned it to doubt. They accepted the enemy's destiny for them. In times of crisis, I've learned, people say a lot of crazy things. And if you're by your friend or anyone who's when they are going to pay attention to them, if they say anything crazy, tell them, no, 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 no. Don't say that. They may fight you at that time, but when it's cleared, you will deal with that. Are you all following? Because 
the devil has thrown them off balance at that time. And we are human. We are natural. You have no idea what some people go through. People say something like, I'm finished. I'm done. <laughs> Amen? So they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, who then is this? Huh? That he commands even the winds and the water and obey him. Notice the secret. The secret is that whosoever believeth does what? Hard. It doesn't matter how high you are in the spirit realm or how low you are. They are coming from the fact that this must be a very extraordinary man. But he himself is saying, hey, you could have done this. You didn't have to wake me because it is the same faith you have that I have. Is that making sense to you? Amen. Because Jesus understood the principle. Go with me to Psalms 107 quickly. Psalms 107. Psalms 107. Amen. Are you there? Verse 23. Amen. Psalms 107, 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do businesses on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. <laughs> Is that not referring to those people there? Okay. Next. They rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. Next. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man. And we are at their wit's end. Next. Then they cried to the Lord. That's believing. That's believing. In their what? Trouble. In their crisis. In their crisis. That's their believing. Hallelujah. And he brought them out of their what? Distresses. Did you see that? Always faith by belief. James 1, 6, quickly. I, I, you, I could have continued to read that passage, but because of time. James 1, 6. James 1, 6, quickly. It's a, it's talking about believing God and receiving answers. But he must ask where, in what? Faith, without any what? Doubting. Pay attention to that. Wake up and pay attention to that. We must ask in what faith. Never allow faith, uh, doubt into your faith. We, we did a teaching on doubt here. Is that correct? Because when it comes, you don't need big faith. But the little faith you have, if you can keep doubt out of it, you will accomplish a lot. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't need big faith. Can I tell you what it is? Any amount of faith you can lay hold on, as long as you keep it from being contaminated with doubt, you will accomplish much. You will accomplish great things. You see the secret? Because you may be asking for big faith, big faith, big faith. Meanwhile, every time you get big faith, it leaks because there's doubt. <laughs> Amen. For the one, here's how it works. The one who doubts is like what? The surf of the sea. Driven and what? Tossed by what? By the way. Now you understand why those disciples were being tossed up and down. Because they went into that boat with doubt and unbelief. And doubt and unbelief, if it's not taken care of in your life, you will run into a lot of crisis. Because all the devil needs to do is to blow a wind. From when he hits your window, he says they've come again. And you move up and down, up and down. Do you see that? All right. Go back to Matthew chapter 8. Go to the next. Okay. Before we, we don't have to go there. You notice when they crossed over, what did they find? The gathering. 
demoniac. The guy that didn't what? Demoniac. You know what that situation was? The man was bound with legions of demons. The devil saw Jesus and his team coming. He stirred up crisis in their life. Are you hearing me? When a church wants to go to another level, when a pastor wants to go to another level, when a believer wants to go to another level, the devil starts a storm. It's up to you to know how to deal with it. The next one is the arrest and the imprisonment of Peter. The arrest, is that a crisis? The arrest and what? Imprisonment of who? Peter. You'll find out who Peter is. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Acts 12, 1. I'm going to do a very fast reading because of time. So the last one is the arrest and imprisonment of Peter. All right. Acts 12, verse 1. Now about that time, listen to this. Herod the king laid hands on some. If you were a Christian and lived under Herod and under the Roman Empire, that crisis is right there for you. Did you understand? See, if in America you live under a democratic government as we have, and you're a Christian, you don't have a problem. No, seriously. <laughs> if you were in China or Pakistan, then you forget your own personal problems. Because the problem is that you can't even gather as a church and pray for those personal pray about those personal problems. Are you following? So you'll be dealing with the corporate problem of the church. But here, the government lets us do everything. And then we are enjoying life. We don't even come to care about the kingdom of God. You think if they are suffering in America today, you see empty seats? You won't. <laughs> People will be struggling for seats on the stairway. In some countries, you don't need strategies to get souls. Just at a church. I'm telling you. Now, about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to do what? Mistreat them. Look at that. Is that crisis? Next. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. You have to understand this. Before that time, who did they kill? Before this time? Eh? Stephen. Know your church history now. Before Stephen, who did they kill? Jesus. Before Jesus, who did they kill? Jesus said somewhere in Matthew, he said, you killed the prophets from Abel, from Abel up until Zechariah, some prophets. He said, you killed them. And I know you're coming for me next. And even after they got Jesus, they continued. Are you hearing me? Oh, wait, they killed James. That's the, 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 the brother of John. Put him to death with a what? A sword. Brutal. That was, they killed them, they cut off their head. Sometimes they take them and throw them alive to the lion in an amphitheater, Roman amphitheater. Roman emperors used to burn Christians alive. And as the flames are going up, they will get into a city, a part of the city that's dark. It, when they need electricity for that city, they gather Christians. No, seriously. And burn them, and the burning flame uh, over those Christians will light up Rome. We study your church history. Yeah? Nero, one of the more wicked ones, he did that. Amen? All right, next, verse 3. Listen to that. When he saw that, it, you think that congregation wasn't having a crisis already? Huh? 
All right. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. <laughs> also, oh, who was Peter? That was their apostle, the chief apostle, their senior pastor. You think there wouldn't be crisis in that congregation? Huh? All right. All right. Zechariah said, I'm, I'm Jesus quoted, you strike the shepherd and you do what? You scatter the sheep. Amen? When he saw that he pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, it was during the days of the unleavened bread, Passover time. Moving on. When he had seized him, he put him in prison. Did you notice that? Delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him. Intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. Execution. So Peter was done what? Kept where? In prison. But prayer for him was being made well, fervently by who? The church to who? God. What's that? Intercession. And what scheme of things does it belong to? Knowing what we are studying? Prayer. Belief. Belief is one of, uh, prayer is one of the ways of demonstrating your faith and your belief. Because they were taught, their belief is God hears their faith. By their faith, they saw that God hears what? Prayers and intervenes when prayers are being made. That was their faith. Is that correct? Now, they have a situation that calls for prayer. What did they do? They turned that faith into belief. In what particular way? What? Praying. What kind of praying? Fervently. The fervent prayer of the what? Righteous. Availeth what? Much. When? In this case. Crisis. Was that a crisis? No. I want you to see every example we are looking at. It's the same method. Have you noticed there's no extra method so far? <laughs> Do you know that faith works? Belief works. Prayer works, right? So prayer falls either under the category of belief or believing and also sacrifice. And at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Are you following? Huh? All right. So that was their belief. Their faith is that they know that the living God. Praise the Lord. And they know that Peter had a commission to fulfill, that he was not going to die yet. It's like literally, you know what? Listen to this. Listen to this. It's like, you know, Herod, when you killed James, we were sleeping, but now we are awake. We won't let you kill Peter. Praise God. Because there was no record that they prayed when he, 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 he arrested James. It's like, okay, we, we don't have anything to do. We're a small community. We can't do anything. But when they got Peter, they said, no, 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 no. Not again. Have you had children say, not again? Not again. Amen. Anytime you say not again, the devil will fly. Praise God. Six. Six. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. What was the church doing? How were they praying? Fervently. And I have shown you in the Bible when the believer or the church begins to pray. Because praying is believing. What happens? You release the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is going, guess what happens? He goes with the company of his angels. 
See what the prayer did there? The night before execution. And God can never be late. While Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with what? Two chains. And guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Amen? <laughs> and behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. And the light shone in the cell. And he, the angel, struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. <laughs> and the angel said to him, guard yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. See, when God comes to deliver, deliver you, you still have to be believing. You notice that Peter was believing the angel? How was he believing the angel? He was following instruction. A lot of you would have waited until the angel comes and carries you and throw you out of the window. That's what you would have been waiting. You would have been there. They would have killed you. I, I'm telling you the truth. No, is that not true? Let me tell you, when you pray, God does not always throw that miracle from heaven. Carry you, angel carries you. He says, Peter, he says, you have any other person? He says, me alone. He carries you. And then, bam, through the window. And you land. If, you, if that happens, you break your bones. He said to him, wake up. He didn't say, oh, let, I, can, I have to sleep more. He said, put on your shoes. He did. Instructions. God's way of delivering us comes by instruction most of the time. Amen? And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your clothes, your cloak around you. And what? And what? Follow me. Let me see who will touch you. What was the church still doing? And without season, right? Okay. Watch. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was what? Real. He thought he was dreaming. Amen? But thought. Next, he was seeing a vision. You notice that? Well, when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city. Which opened, the gate opened by itself. It, it must have been an electronic gate. <laughs> if it wasn't, the Holy Spirit made it electronic. Amen? <laughs> For them, by itself, they got, that's where the engineers got that, this idea. That when you're walking towards the gate, you open. Maybe. See, the things exist in heaven before now. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. Next, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for sure that who? The Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from what? The hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Next, and when he realized this, when he realized this, where did he go? He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many, how, how many people? Oh, dear Lord. Uh, we are, go, go back. We are many where, oh, no. We are gathered together and we are what? Praying. Can I say they were believing? <laughs> Why? Because their faith showed them that God was their God and he answers what? Prayer. Are you all following? All right, next. Next. When you knocked at the door, 
of the gate. You know, and crisis can make you <laughs> start off well and end up religious. <laughs> Amen? When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, thank God for children, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. You know how you, it's on Peter. Instead of opening the door, he ran. She ran. And said, Peter is standing by the gate. Look at what happened. Very interesting. They said to her, you are out of your mind. In the name of Jesus, please God, release Peter. Release Peter. We bind the spirit of destruction. Oh, dear Lord. Are you all listening? You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. You know, children know how to insist when they know they are right. They kept saying, look at, they spiritualize it. Look at what they said. They changed their gear. They said, no, it cannot be Peter. It was Peter's angel. I mean, you guys were praying for God. You know, let me tell you this. You know what happened? God manifested deliverance quicker than they expected. And that's the thing about praying. It was so quick. Didn't the Bible say, before you pray, I have heard. And as before you open your mouth, I've answered. Next. But Peter continued knocking. You know what I was saying? I said to myself one day, I said, if the guards were pursuing him, guess where they would have caught him? Right by the door of the church. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were what? I've asked the question, where were they amazed? Didn't they believe that God was up to what they were asking? But that's who we are. May God amaze us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next verse. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led, me out, led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. He still didn't feel secure there. Are you following? In crisis, you also need some wisdom. Praise the Lord. It was not out of fear. Say, are you, we thought you were a man. Why are you running? No. Wisdom can be important in times of crisis. Are you all following what I'm saying? You know, you know that Joseph, the uh, earthly father of Jesus, and Mary, they had crisis after Jesus was born as to how to keep him. Because Herod started looking for him. God woke them up one night and said, take my son to Egypt until the one who doesn't love him, like him, dies. Was God afraid of Herod? No. So we have to also use wisdom. Are you all following? But the point there, did you see exercise of faith through belief? Huh? From A to Z. And you, you have your chance to check the rest of the Bible for crisis situations. Of any other situation. Brothers and sisters, there's only one way God has given us to appropriate his intervention, especially in times of crisis. What is the way? By faith. Exercise through belief. Because what will you have at the end of the day? Miracle. Why? Because of the principle that he that bought, delivered, had. Shall you write your down to our feet? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering.
Give the Lord a clap offering. Come on. Come on. Give the Lord a clap offering. Give the Lord a clap offering. Thank you, Jesus.